0: podcast audio there okay and this one uh the title is already up on the rss feed uh talk fury talk revolution yes right and um and i thought i was like uh well, i bet i better uh, get a definition but you know f- f- fuck a di- fuck a dictionary right mm-hmm. uh, uh word fuck yeah it. like fuck it so
1: fuck you,
0: webster So like, uh, start, uh, Chelsea Springler, you, uh, define revolution, just the word itself.
2: Uh, I would say a new paradigm, a complete change of, um, social and economic systems. Um, and I say social and economic systems because the economy is not the only way that we organize ourselves and a revolution would mean a systematic change. It would mean the way that we relate, the way that um, that we trade, the way that we organize society would fundamentally be different, not just a, a tweak left or right um, or a reform of certain policies. It would be a, a totally different structure, essentially. What do you think, Eric? Is that, um, is that somewhat in line with what you think?
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with I'm just going to pull up my man, Gil Scott Heron, where he says you will not be able to stay home, sister and brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn out and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag. You will not be able to skip out during commercials for beer because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution that will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spira Agnew. The revolution will not eat hot will not eat hog malls confiscated by the Harlem Sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. That's it. yo. Yep. I'm going with Gil Scott Heron's version
0: for a definition word.
1: So you know, I, mean, you
0: know,
1: the, the, I mean, no, I mean, it says, in but I mean, the revolution, people need to look into Gil Scott Heron. Um, but uh, you know, the revolution really means that this system is marching us all into our graves. And either we, you know, either we, we overturn it now when it's when it's when it's weakened when it's exposed when its flank is exposed or we, we we uh you know we lead the next generation um you know into into mass suicide with
0: us and then the leader definition.
3: a definition of revolution yeah. um i guess i would define revolution as tearing down what exists and building an inc- an entirely new system and i guess that could go on any level that could be um on a small scale level, that could be about like completely reorganizing an entire country's government. It could be about, um, taking back a block, but it is about creating radical change and doing something new. I think now you have to go and you're trying to engineer. Good luck with that.
0: Oh, see that, that, that that's what's good about being someone <laughs> that doesn't read. I'm to <laughs> be reading all this shit. You cloud your minds. Easy. <laughs> Big change. <laughs> well, Big change. <laughs> Right. Big change.
3: Okay. See? Okay.
0: See? Right. You, you want you want to be able congested. to communicate with the people, stop reading.
1: Stop Read. reading.
0: <laughs> that's that's yeah. like De
1: La said in stakes is high, your mind got congested. <laughs> your mind got congested.
0: Yeah, so I I, I so high. clearly I, I am the I'm the simplistic one on it. And, um, and I'm the one like that, that doesn't see how it can happen. Like, I don't see where a path could be to it. Like, especially with the, um, with the now, right. In the very context of now and what one would be up against all the way from like the armed security guard to the, um, Mm -hmm. city police, to the Mm -hmm. County Sheriff's department, to the state troopers, then that's going to, then the army reserves And if they got to call in the Marines and whatnot, like there's so much, so many barriers and armed and dangerous barriers that have dropped bombs on homes and on cities and on people before Mm -hmm. and deploy all the most grotesque violence at the drop of a dime, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like how, what is the path when that's what you're against?
1: Well, I think it's interesting you talk about, oh, you want to, you want to, I just want to talk about, I'm going to say just something about the violence. I mean, I think you. T- it's interesting you talk about when they have deployed the most grotesque violence, but the reality is that's, you know, like Biggie Small said, things done changed. Now the gross, most grotesque graphic violence is, you know, you work in 12 hour shifts, seven days a week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now the, you know, and so the, 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 I guess the question is how long are you willing to do that? And how long is the, ne- you, do you think the next generation with what you're seeing out of the streets, are they willing to do that? I think a lot, of what you're seeing now in inner city communities is they don't give up they 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 understand what the most grotesque forms of violence is in their communities right now and they are already responding to it. And their responses, I would like to posit, is revolutionary right now, and that's what they're doing. I'll, I'll, I'll see to, to Senor.
2: Yeah, I think that the most important thing in a political revolution, and um, and I, that's what I want to define, is a political revolution would mean a revolution of power. So politics basically is, um, it, which would include economic and social um, revolution. But, you know, we could look at something like, Say, um, you know, women's liberation in the 1970s was a social revolution. Women changed the way they related from the home into employment and sexual revolution and things like that. But that, that wasn't a political revolution um, per se. They might have gotten, you know, some new policies. Roe v. Wade might have eventually gone through, but it's not a political revolution. Um, I think when you overturn power, the way when you see things like the police enforcement and increased police brutality, arming police, that's because the power structure is feels more and more threatened. The more that they exert force like that, the more that we give them all this new technology and all of these new weapons and all of this stuff that they shouldn't need against their own people, logically, that means that the power structure is, um, is threatened or the legitimacy of power is threatened. And the only reason that we have the power that stays in it in the way that it is with our, you know, our political system and our oligarchs that run everything and corporations that are allowed to get away with what they do to control these oligarchs is the only that, that stays in power because we give it legitimacy. Authority only can exist if we give it is as long as we enough people consider it legitimate. But we stop that. And there's a crisis of legitimacy that's, that is starting to happen in the United States that's when power tries to consolidate itself like that, and it shows excessive, um, more overt forms of power because it, it's it's um, it's power that always you know underlies everything. The hegemony of that is is now threatened, and it can't survive on its own. So they have to physically and enforce more things, which I think shows a dying empire. Every time, and a country or a nation or an empire has uh, across nations has done that that means that they're in crisis because they have to use excessive force and people see them as even less legitimate when that happens. So the more the United States does this, the less people will see this as legitimate. And eventually that's when, you know, when, when you say that you, you're not sure how it would happen, um, violent revolutions, which I do think the United States, we could talk about that whole tangent, why a peaceful revolution is, is not likely, that would be great, but it's not likely. Um, when something gets overthrown, when power finally gets um, physically violently overthrown and the government is not legitimate, legitimately in power anymore, the police don't have, they, they don't have, a, a they, they can't do what they do. I mean, they have guns, but so do people. And nobody, the people giving them the orders now are no longer legitimate. So what do they do? Sometimes they turn, they leave, they walk off the job. Some of them turn with the people if they feel that you know, they finally say, okay, you know, this is just my job and now, but it's it's not worth it. I'd rather join this revolution. That happens. Um, and we can talk about that. That's not something that like, oh great, we've got some cops on our side. That's not the point. But I'm saying that the way that, that the power enforces itself can fall apart like that when we delegitimize it enough.
1: And and I wanna I wanna I wanna kind of um, jump in on this uh because, you know, I don't, you know, I know what uh, uh, right now police brutality really is defined in how we look at it through white liberals um, who don't have to, who have no reason to have any interactions with police except at a protest line. But the reality is, is that, you know, they're not reptiles. They are humans just like us and that is why so many of them are committing suicide so actually if you go to if you google police suicides in Chicago there was one three weeks ago where a a top cop shot himself in a parking space Mm -hmm. And, and they they always they do it in police stations because they know that their bodies will be you know given full honors so it's you know these are people that also understand that they are Delegitimized um, throughout the communities, and um, they're also under the squeeze of privatization, like everybody else. That's they, they have great benefits, they have great pensions. They're being uh, privatized just like everybody else, so they understand that their value is diminished. Um, you know, and I think we have to, and this is why when we start talking about revolution. We've got to move beyond what white liberals are telling us, um, you know. So I think I mean that that's a logical and that that's real. We have to start figuring out how we 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 gain allies of oppressed workers across the board. That includes, think- of course, sex workers and uh, factory workers. That includes everybody. And I think a good case example of
2: how something like this can play out is actually what happened with a lot of troops in Vietnam, for instance. Um, now nobody forced the police to go into becoming police, obviously so that, but, and we don't force people to go into the military
1: anymore. We could say they're coerced. We did during Vietnam. Vietnam though. We did, what? we did do We did, we that, did during that Vietnam. Point.
2: and the United yeah. States learned how bad that was for them and how bad it was for power. Because when they when they instituted the draft, so many people were going who didn't want to go, and they were in this war killing people they didn't want to kill, and there was many instances of soldiers I forget what the term is but turning and they they coordinated killing their officers and killing the the commanders on on the um, yeah. going into battle they would just turn they coordinated and then they they shot their commanders and walked off basically or disappeared and, and into Vietnam. So I mean, and that was a crisis of legitimacy because the United States um, had forced this so far. Enough people said, "No, you forced us into this. We don't want this. This is, you, you know." So the more that the state amps up its force, the more we see that it, it's in crisis and, and it won't win. I don't, I don't think at that point they need people. They need they need people to feel that like the state is is benevolent to them overall, and that's not happening anymore. Just like in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw and how terribly we lost despite having so much power. The people of Vietnam, um, you know, they had legitimacy on their side. They had an entire country that mostly believed in what they were doing. And even if they were the underdogs, and the same thing can happen domestically here.
1: And, and, and cops realize that they are, you know, it used to be, you know, you did not go after cops. And now cops, you know, and I mean, they had a thing in Chicago um, where um, th- there were two street organizations, um, very sophisticated street organization with histories. I'm not, I'm not going to name them, um, but very, but you can, you can find, you know, all you have to do is Google it, but two very sophisticated street organizations. Um, um, one, one uh, Latin American, one um, Latino, another black who got started during the sixties. Um, uh, you know, and their leaders were then incarcerated for the uh, the black organization because they were revolutionary. They were trying to make a deal with Qaddafi, Muammar Qaddafi who was killed by Obama, by the way. Um, but, um, this, this organization, um, they said that they were trying to that they were putting a hit on cops and there's been more, uh, violence toward cops, you know, uh, um, and again, these are brothers and sisters in the community who are no longer afraid of, of, the, of, of police. And again, I'm not talking about white liberals, you know, and 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 bourgeoisie who, again, don't live in those communities. So they're all like, and, you know, fuck the police. And they're getting some sort of profit from them and some social critique, you know, crit, you know, they become demigods. I'm talking about people who live in the community. Um, and are in rebellion and these people are no longer afraid of the police anymore and the police understand that so I mean I, I think we are seeing this is what revolution So, when William you talk about you know this, this fear of violent oppression that shit don't mean anything in the Inglewood I mean they got like Tupac said they got nothing to lose and this is what we need to start paying attention to and um, and coordinating our strategies with.
0: Now, Sam, yeah, okay.
2: oh. I feel that you know a lot of the the recent fear about Trump specifically and the repression, the police repression that is has um, somewhat happened under Trump. You know, a lot of it is local cities that are actually democratically run that are doing police force work. But when it comes to some, you know, national um, or federal troops or whatever, um, a lot of the the vocal responses that are being accepted by the media is, again, making it about Trump when it's it's really a much bigger issue here. But, you know, a lot of this is liberals, especially white liberals who are experiencing this for the first time. And are like, wow, I went to this protest and it was violent and I'll never return to that again. And it's like, it's been happening for a while. And because it's dangerous to you, doesn't mean that, not that it's not dangerous for other people, but it's kind of like, oh, so this is your first time, huh? Welcome. Okay. Um, I, I would agree with Eric that it's not, it's, that's not the, the way every community has handled it, maybe. Um. It's not—it's not new to enough people, I would say. That you know, and a lot of people, and then you'll have people from other countries who've dealt with this in their own countries, and they're like, "Yeah, okay, well, you know, here too. All right, United States, we knew it. We figured it'd be something like this." You know, I—I I, I think, and those aren't necessarily people who are at protests, but they're aware. Um, you know, so I think people should be aware of, um, you know, again, I—I I think there's a big protest industrial complex. So the kind of resistance and mutual aid and things that we see actually going on isn't necessarily the same as the people who show up with signs for certain things, um, and that narrative of what happens to them gets um, gets prioritized in the news for one. Um, but
0: now, when you're saying um, like yeah. there's there's folks in the hood that are um, that are not afraid of the police anymore, like do we have like real numbers on that? And is that enough people for a revolution?
1: We don't, but we don't have real numbers on it because no one's talking about it. But I mean, if you go, but we do,
0: I mean, if you wait, wait, how do you, um, how do you know about something no one's talking about?
1: Well, because it's, 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 it's not even the tea leaves. So for instance, the, the, the police pro the police brutality protests. Focus. You know what happens is every protest resulted in a in 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 systematic in, in widespread looting. Now that's revolution. That's people. That is people, and I'm and I'm and I'm serious about that. That's people. That is black poor people taking the, the resources that has been stripped from them. These are people that are 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 you know this country lies about so much about unemployment statistics, about poverty statistics. And so when have you ever seen, we are all we all have experience in Chicago, but when have you ever seen continued systematic rioting, not in the black community, but in white communities? Now black people are not afraid to go into white communities, are not afraid to go downtown Chicago, LA and loot. Tell me that's not a new phenomena, Brother Jackson. Tell me that's not a new phenomena.
0: Oh, I, I I don't know what the old one is. Again, I, I don't I don't know this stuff much. The old,
1: the, but old, I like, am... the old thing was you can loot in the black community, mm-hmm. but don't come downtown. That was the old one. You can you can you can you can attack black people. Black on black crime is okay. You Know because what it is the steep the destabilization of black the black community by black people is fine, but do not attack white people on the red line or the green line. All of that is changing. You know, all of
2: this changing. I remember moving to Chicago, you know, a decade ago at least. Um, and oh, and it's a change even within the last couple of years because I was downtown all the time when I I was in school downtown. at. Um, School of the Arts to Chicago and um, and constantly commuting on the trains and everything. And I in 2010, I never saw repeated um, weekly instances of the train being shut down because of mass looting and not just a a couple events and not, you know, this is over the last year, Um, maybe two years ago, especially around um, Thanksgiving and the holidays and, and a lot of people who can't afford certain things trip get them you know however they can you know makes sense so um but like the gucci store downtown on the on the magnificent mile the magnificent mile gets looted by crowds like you know with dozens of people at one time right. like every week and i think it's amazing i think it's great i mean I, and
1: you can yeah, find that on youtube and and tupac said the same thing he said somebody got, got explore yeah i mean it, and, and, and the cops you and can that's on youtube them.
2: Yeah. And you can listen to the police uh, little things online when, when you you can listen to the whatever the, the police. Um, what do you call it, Eric? Scanner. Yeah. Be, Don't fall back. We can't keep, you know, 40 people who are looting and teenagers, you know, and and then they shut the trains down because they want to kettle the looters from like the red line. They'll shut the red line down because they expect those people to go back to the south side. And it's like. That is that is a that's a crisis of legitimacy when downtown is seen as this untouchable bastion of wealth and the police can't even contain it anymore. That's that's you know, I'm not saying that those people have a revolutionary consciousness, but they're much closer than, than the liberals who want to vote us out of the situation.
1: And I would say it's beginning of a revolutionary consciousness because Fanon described this stuff in the wretched on the earth. And concerning violence, Fanon talks about it. Amil Cabral talks about it because that's how it starts in Africa.
0: And that's uh, the you're, same. You're, the same. I just know you're referencing you um, the author France Fanon. Is it France, France? Fanon, Doctor Frantz Fanon? Yeah. All
1: right. Uh, so I throw the doctor in just because you know, you know, like oh, she's doctor. Okay. Yeah, uh, Frantz Fanon. Um, but that, but the thing is, and and it's not. But Tupac predicted it as well. He said somebody. It, um, I forget that, um, in the song, why we loot, it was the double CD that came out after he died. Um, not all, uh, anyway, um, somebody got to explain why I ain't got shit. Tell me that's not some revolution. And this is what we see. And again, that William. see, that's the problem with our fake news media. I'm looking at an article now, um, by the, the Detroit free press. And it's, uh, brothers were accidental casualties of the co- of COVID-19 when the enhanced with unenhanced with the enhanced unemployment benefits, the two brothers were able to live high on the land. That's what killed them. They OD because of they had too much COVID-19 money. That's fucking, My point is, you're not going to get this stuff from the media. They're not, you know, they're, why would, why would any newspaper, whether it be in, in, in New York or Chicago talk about, they have a problem with black, young black women and men getting on the train to go downtown and get some redistributive wealth. I mean, why would they do that? So it's, there's not going to be, there's not, but if you go and you look at. Because the the Sun Times, the Chicago Sun Times, did this. They, you know, how you got those graduation pictures of all the graduates. Well, the Chicago Sun Times ran pictures of of fifty looters, or quote, you know, I don't like calling looters, but fifty people of black folks who were caught downtown getting their getting their resources from stores on michigan avenue
0: okay i, I was and, on that wait uh, let's let's, stop. let's run to resources okay. maybe we're using that word different there right like when i think resources like i think like water like water is a resource right like um like farming land right, yeah. like that's a resource but like um yeah. a perishable good from a store or maybe um an electronic item that will be um that won't be usable in maybe a half decade because of planned obsolescence like that doesn't really seem like a resource to me like that is a very uh, a very short-term gain
1: it is and again i'm not saying that i'm not saying that it might it's not it's not the most it may not be considered the most logical choice i get that but it's not like we were out there mentoring these young folks oh, No, I didn't say it was it's not uh, you know
0: I'm not saying it's illogical right. but I'm I'm talking about like the the the, the language no. use right like resource well, well I like, don't want
1: to call I'm not gonna call it looting I mean I I refuse I mean I'm trying oh, to I'm not, gonna, I'm, not, not call,
0: I'm not calling it that either
1: I know you're but, not I know but that's what that's the term of it is looting I'm sorry uh, Phoenix you <laughs> want to jump in
3: yeah um no I actually have seen this a lot and I saw this actually a lot in Ferguson which just as a side note of Ferguson um as you were mentioning, like, earlier, like, specific areas are acceptable for looters and others aren't. A lot of people thought, like, the whole city of Ferguson was on fire. It was, like, a three-block radius where cops had us, like, boxed in. And it was, like, you could do whatever you wanted within that three-block radius. But they will fucking shoot you if you try to leave. So, like, yeah, I get that. Um, but, no, that was actually something they were doing a lot in Ferguson as people were. Like, people um, were stealing things out of, like, the grocery store, out of a liquor store, out of, like, a beauty supply store and things like that. But, um... And that's because they were boxed in in that area. They couldn't get out to get other things that they needed. So people were literally trading shit that they needed to be like, oh, I went in this liquor store and got this vodka. I need cash because I have to put gas in my car because I have to get to work. Can I trade you for this? Or like, um, you know, I have this thing that you want. I don't have any food. Can I trade you? So it was like very much like... um, like a um like a small scale like barter economy almost and yeah. so things that wouldn't yeah. like i wouldn't typically like i wouldn't consider like vodka necessarily to be a resource but at the same time but i understand still- if that's the only thing you can access in that moment you might be able to trade yeah. it for something else and so, like, I, in that aspect, can I can see it as being, like, a resource, even though that's not necessarily how you would initially think of it, because there was a lot of that going on of, like, because keep in mind, like, people were getting guns pulled on them by cops for, like, even being in their yard. So, like, how do you get groceries at a point like that? So if you know somebody has food, like, fine, I'll go into the whatever store and get whatever you want if you give me food, because I don't have food and I can't leave because the cops are going to kill me. So there was, a, a, like, a lot
0: of that sort of going on. So I think that would make the store like a temporary resource because if the, if it's not a place where they're going to keep getting inventory in, then at at a point that inventory will go to zero. Yes. And then now that resource has been depleted Mm -hmm. and then is it still a resource?
2: I
3: think
1: well, it's I
2: think you... I mean, people who pay their bills. There's people who pay their bills by selling things on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist. Exactly. You can take a TV and you know and make 500 bucks the next day if you resell it. So you know, it, it there. I think there is a practical um, side of it, even if you and even if it's not practical. Like I mean, I, I do think if someone gets a Gucci bag or something, yeah, you could sell it, or it's, just, it's a, or it can be a way of talking back. James Baldwin talked about that. It's a way. Of, um, let me see if I can find a quote,
1: but well, the reality is while you try to, the reality is, is that we can't expect revolutionaries and up and coming revolutionaries to be perfect and a fit to something, you know, I mean, and, and I would, if, if, if I were going, if I were going to loot, I would loot liquor a lot quicker than I would a couple ears of corn and from, from a screw, you know, from an old convenience store and people did run into, uh, to Costco. They ran into all sorts of stores. And again, they were downtown. They weren't help They weren't, you can't trap black folks in a certain community. Like you can a rural community, like, like in Berks. Um, it, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's there's trains to get on. So it was easier. But my point is, is, I don't. I don't see. I don't see a, a black kid stealing a bottle of expensive vodka any worse or better than them stealing some food. And I would say it's better to steal some expensive vodka because you're gonna you're gonna be able to sell it and buy new, more food. And if you're on a Chicago, I mean, I'm sure y'all. I know you guys are wearing Elgin, but on the Red Line. That is a whole economy of black folks yes. selling liquor, <laughs> selling Lucy's, selling barrettes, ser- selling got them shoes, you know. Mary Jane choose. Um, All of that stuff is sold on the red line. So I would say it's better to get stuff from Biddies. And I am not promoting Luden, by the way. I'm not promoting. I am not a criminal. I think we're I away on.
0: from what my what my thought <laughs> <laughs> was on the on You're the away idea because. I'm not saying, oh, don't take stuff. I take stuff. That's why I have a bunch of Teflon tape and mm-hmm. some of my pliers are not ones that I got from the store myself. Like, I got stuff that I took from the old factory and whatnot. Yeah, t- but, like, right. did a- is a revolution coming from that? Like, is... It's the start. It's not... It's not... The
1: thing is about this stuff, it's not like you predict... There's no blueprint for it. But Fanon talked about it in terms of levels of where you are. First, you're only killing each other. You're only robbing each other's house. But then you start to understand that don't victimize your own people. Go where the resources are. And that's why Fanon talked about stages in revolution in in how black people or as he called us natives throughout the world how we respond does that make sense
3: so i guess my question then is how do you raise the consciousness of people because i think a lot of people who are doing the you know quote-unquote looting are people who are just like i just need to survive right if i steal something out of the store i can resell it i can buy food um, if I just straight up steal food, I won't go hungry, but they're not necessarily thinking of it in like a rev- from a revolutionary lens of like, this is the beginning of, you know, the revolution. So how do you sort of raise that consciousness or raise that thought level to going from, I'm just doing this so I can survive. Fuck the police. These laws are ridiculous. I'm not abiding by them to, um, I'm bringing this back to the community and we, the people as a group are about to make some serious progress.
1: Cause I don't let, think you let just respond to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well that, okay. So, and that's important, but I think, I guess the important is again, to be able to, and this is where Fanon's essay is important, is to recognize what recognize steps of consciousness of the development of consciousness, not the end goal. They're not going to be Stokely Carmichael or Malcolm overnight, but the fact that they were, they are now angry well if you look at their parents their parents are not angry their parents are they go into church and they like just trust in jesus that we gonna we gonna get rewarded in heaven just, just go to church go to church so my point is it is a revolution this is again why Fanon talks about a revolutionary consciousness as a form of development so anytime you see the youth now behaving a certain way where they weren't behaving five years ago, then you see that they are they are adapting and behaving differently, and that's what we're trying to point out with not just by Tupac, and I use that language with young folks so they can understand that they are changing, but I use Fanon with us educated folks so you could see that. This is what what's happening on the south side of Chicago is the same things that happened in Algeria, that happened in Guinea-Bissau, that happened in Nigeria. These same that happened in Vietnam. But it's not a an overday, day are also well, let's let's rage revolution. But what we need to be doing is then mentoring those people. So they get to make the connections. And I think that's what Chelsea's been working, you know, the the, the sorts of programs and fury to start reaching out to these communities and engaging them so they understand because people react they don't necessarily understand what they're doing, but their consciousness has been lifted.
2: Yeah, and just for people listening, um, we keep mentioning Franz Fanon here. Um, that's his essay, particularly in Wretched of the Earth, that he wrote. Um, that was, you know, that, that's a book that was utilized by the Black Panthers as one of their mm. foundational books um, guiding them. Um, Wretched of the Earth by Brantman on it. And one of the essays in it is on violence and the role of revolutionary violence and how that changes consciousness for people um, and the stages that build towards a revolution, um, the changes and colonized people through violence. Um, so... If anyone's wondering it's from on violence that essay so fanon was a black psychologist um, from martinique in uh and in the 1950s he had a clinic in algeria um as a psychologist where he went and he went there because he saw revolutionary potential i think that's important for anyone if we are actually concerned about revolution we have to look like okay where can we work How can we be strategic? We're not just talking here. What are we going to do? Where are we going to do it? Where can't we do it? Are we going to waste our time for 30 years in this other city? Are we going to go over here? You know, um, so he went to Algeria because of the pressure that was cooking in Algeria against the French um, colonizers. So they, the Algerian um, War of Independence um, was occurring in the late 1950s and into the early 60s. And Fanon actually you know, fought at night secretly while he, while he studied the both colonized Algerians and French, um, colonizers who came in with mental issues because of the violence when in his clinic during the day. And so he wrote about a lot of that and the psychology of what happens to people when, when revolution, um, the consciousness of revolution builds. So um, the thing on violence, like Eric has been mentioning a lot, is that um, people attack their own when they're colonized and before a revolution, before revolutionary consciousness builds. But part of revolutionary consciousness that he saw happening um, like in Algeria was when people refused to do horizontal and tribe on tribe kind of violence as part of um, colonialism. And they said, you know what, we deserve to go after these colonizers, we deserve to transgress and leave our part of town and go over there and take shit from them and not just from us. Um, we deserve to try to topple them in some way. Even if they didn't see it politically, they started lashing out um, and he sees it as a it's it's a bodily response and violence is a, is a cleansing force um, in order to, to get your humanity back. When you've been dehumanized like that, like the people there, you get your humanity back by saying, no, it's not just us, we are we are not going to attack each other because we hate each other because of what we've been through because hating each other is a, is a form of hating yourself we're exactly. going to go we're going to hate you now we're going to hate the colonizer so that being the beginning of potential not necessarily that that was the revolution itself but that created the potential so i think that's there maybe that's what eric is alluding to here um yes. and, and fury on the Around, um, for example, the kind of stuff we try to do—that's why we do everything we do. We're not involved in elections, and, you know. It's not something that's strategic for us at this point. We could talk about local stuff, local elections, maybe, but um, we, we're doing self-defense stuff. We started doing that a good three years ago because we saw, you know, we thought this was going to there's going to be an economic um, meltdown that happens. We didn't think it would be because of a virus that fast tracks this, but that's where we are. Um, mutual aid things, doing things on the ground that organizes people apart from the institutions that aren't going to ever serve revolution, apart from large right. nonprofits that are never going to have an interest in people defining them out their, themselves for the, the goals and the organizations and the political power that they want. Um, so, creating on the ground grassroots alternative institutions is absolutely necessary and engaging the people who are. Who have that anger and that rage and are ready exactly. to lash out at those above them? Um, those are the people that we need to be talking to, not in a way of reform, like any institution in America would be talking about, whether it's jail, nonprofits, whatever it is, of of twisting and profiting off of the poverty and the situation that people are in. But saying no, what you're going through, like let's let's build something, let's build something for you instead of making it about. Um,
0: Again, profit, reform, whatever it is. And let me take a look. And I um, think that's... uh, It's my bad. I was look with the archive chat space uh, with Nat Loco left a comment saying, um, I can't remember the term for this, uh, for this technique, but I do remember the uh, recent tactic of going to the Gold Coast and downtown and crashing into a... um, What does that say? Mm -hmm. Shaanxi... fancy store? Oh, fancy schmancy. Oh, a fancy schmancy store with a vehicle, Mm -hmm. and using that, I presume to scare and distract folk while people pop out the car and grab what they can.
3: I remember those. Revolutionary. grabs.
1: Yes.
0: Yes, that's uh, Nat Loco, regularly in the comments. It was Eric, you were about to speak.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that was that's what they did at Biddy's in Logan Square. I mean, they, you know, I mean, And these were these were, you know, and it's funny because I have friends who are like, Yes, that was that was the work of sophisticated, you know And I was like, that was gang members. Those are street tribes.
0: But uh, oh whoa, I would say that that they're but they're still sophisticated.
1: Yes, and right, and though and those young black kids who use these smartphones and targeted and said, let's all be on the train at this time. See, that's the point is, and that is why white supremacy has to do everything that they can to keep black kids incarcerated and confused and under the thumb because they are too smart. Like, like Malcolm said, too black, too strong, you know? And so these kids are brilliant and and I saw that when I was in the schools in Inglewood, they are brilliant, and unlike their parents, they're not. They they are too smart to be falling for white Jesus. Too smart to be thinking there's some mansion paved with gold in heaven. They want what they 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 know this exists because they see the white folks with it, and they want it too, and they should have it. And our goal is providing. Being able to, what the Black Panthers did was they had lunch programs and breakfast programs. And they said, bring your kids here. We are safe. Your kids will not be molested. They'll not be, you know, they'll not be talked down to. What they will be is fed and educated. And you can come and sit along too and get some of this education with food. That's what we need to do. That's how we take those revolutionaries, because, you know, as tough as these young black kids appear, they need affection and attention just like everybody else. But they are guarded about who they gonna get it from because they know these poverty pimp ministers under white supremacy. They they know these, these fake politicians white you know obama and and all the, the the congressional folks they know that they are white so that they are fake and so but when they see somebody that's real that's who they gravitate to and we want to be those real people and have the food because that's how you get to the parents and the and the and you know the baby mamas and and, and hope and then the baby fathers but we got to get to those folks and 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 that means being able to provide community resources, and that's kind of what this conversation was about.
0: Well, wow, it was. It, it's it's gonna have to res- keep going. It's it's <laughs> yeah 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 because we're going into one p.m. I gotta do laundry right. and put on my hard hat right. and knee pads and go up uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, and go make sure that the m- world has uh I think more cocoa puffs.
3: I love I think cocoa is, puffs.
0: This is very important cocoa <laughs> puffs, and I think tricks in the same box.
3: Oh. It's, it's out there
0: general mills is back baby uh we're
3: getting ready for halloween
0: but yeah might as well uh push it forward to the next week keep keep the same gosh darn thing going don't uh don't yeah. lose whatever thought I, I well hell you won't y'all obviously think about this a lot <laughs> and see folks i know folks were tuning in for that revolution talk is how you get the cindy mcpherson that's how it happens. Really. Well, We know. I just
1: want to talk about this article next time. This is Rogue Experiments. How there's a group of folks doing DYI to provide insulin to poor communities. Insulin, which costs seven dollars to make, Mm three hundred dollars, and these folks are providing it in black communities, Hispanic communities at cost. It's cheap to make. I mean, so all of this stuff is going on out there.
0: I like that. Er Er Eric says it the old black folks way at the barbecue. That's the insolent. (laughs) (laughs) Putting the extra tea on it. (laughs) We need them insolents. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. All right. We got to get out of here. All right. Y'all need to be safe. I'm going to go to work and definitely be safe and uh, get this episode uploaded. This was constructive. Talk fury. Talk furiously. Talk revolution. Bring it back for a part two next week. God damn it! Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. And,
1: and, and them checks And them them, them, them that those uh, tricks. You know, man. That 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 could feed whole. You know, got the we got the free. That cereal was not. It, it's chi- it's not it's not cheap. That's it's, it, it's why we need insolent. <laughs> it's what well, damn yeah, true.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna shut up now. All right, y'all be all. All right, y'all be safe for real though. Though, and Bye, keep the red rack pantry popping. All All right. Have a good week. Peace. Bang and Facebook Live. You're out of there. Yes. End. End. Podcast audio. You gotta go.
3: Gotta go.